You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Jeremiah 46, and uh, let's look at a message of judgment that God delivered uh, through Jeremiah to uh, not the people of Judah, not Barak, who we talked about uh, two weeks ago, uh, Jeremiah's assistant, but here is a message specifically, it says, against the Gentiles. In verse 2, it's against Egypt. It's against the army of Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, which was by the river Euphrates in Carchemish, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, smote in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. Verse 3, order ye the buckler. Uh, the buckler was a, a smaller version of a shield. Order ye, or set in order, the buckler and the shield and draw near to battle. Verse 4, harness the horses and get up, ye horsemen, and stand forth with your helmets. Furbish or polish your spear. Get your spears ready for battle and put on the brigandines, which is the armor, uh, the, the protection. Verse 5, wherefore have I seen them dismayed? Well, that's not a good way to go into battle. They're, they're getting ready and they're getting their weapons and then all of a sudden God says they're already dismayed, they're already discouraged. And not only are they discouraged, but they're turned away and their mighty ones are beaten down. Ooh, that's not good. If, you're, if your weak links are getting beat, that, you maybe survive that, but if you've got your mighty ones going out, if you've got your elite, you've got your strongest soldiers in the army going out and they're getting beat, you're in trouble. But that's what was happening to Egypt. Their mighty ones are beaten down and they're fled apace. That means the mighty men, the ones that never run, the ones that fight and conquer, those guys are not fighting and they're not conquering. They are running as fast as they can trying to escape. It says in verse number five, it says, for fear was round about, saith the Lord. Let not the swift flee away, nor the mighty man escape. They shall stumble and fall. They're going to try to escape. They're going to try to get away. They're going to try to be spared, but they're going to stumble and fall. Verse 7, who is this that cometh up as a flood, whose waters are moved as the rivers? Egypt riseth up like a flood, and his waters are moved like the rivers. And he saith, I will go up and will cover the earth. I will destroy the city and the inhabitants thereof. That's what Egypt said. They said, we're going to fight against Babylon and we are going to be like a flood. We're going to go in, we're going to take over, uh, we're going to destroy them, we are going to defeat them, uh, we're going to destroy the city and the inhabitants. Verse 9, it says, Come up, ye horses, and rage, ye chariots. And let the, let the mighty man come forth, the Ethiopians and the Libyans that handle the shield and the Lydians that handle and bend the bow. For this, God says, is the day of the Lord God of hosts, a day of vengeance, that he may avenge him of his adversaries and the sword shall devour 
and it shall be satiated or, or saturated and made drunk with their blood. For the Lord God of hosts hath a sacrifice in the north country by the river Euphrates. Go up into Gilead and take balm. That's a, that's a salve. O virgin, the daughter of Egypt, in vain shalt thou use many medicines, for thou shalt not be cured. The nations have heard of thy shame and thy cry and hath filled the land, for the mighty man hath stumbled against the mighty, and they are fallen both together. Lord, I pray you'd help us as we look at your word. I pray you'd speak to our hearts and challenge us, and may we receive uh, these words and make application. I pray we would be reminded tonight of the power of God and the, the seriousness of, of doing what God has told us to do. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to learn from the, uh, the bad example of Egypt. May we learn from the bad examples of these nations that tried to fight against God. And Lord, we see that their, uh, their efforts were futile. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me give you a few thoughts quickly from Jeremiah 46. I know it, it can be kind of uh, heavy. It can be kind of a little bit more just like, oh man, this is depressing. But I hope to give you some things to help you tonight. Number one, we see the warning. The warning is found in these first few verses. Jeremiah is prophesying against Egypt. This is the nation, Egypt. Keep in mind, I know we've, this series, we've kind of gotten broken up and it's taken us a long time. But Egypt is the country where the remnant, remember when Jeremiah and you had Gedaliah and Ishmael and Johanan, Egypt is the country where the remnant wanted to flee to try to escape Babylon because the Babylonians had already taken captives. They left the remnant there in the land and they were still fearful and they didn't know what to do, even though God told them what to do. And so they panicked. Uh, do, you know, it's amazing. We do that sometimes, don't we? It's like we know better right here, but we still do things that we shouldn't do. We do things we know God has told us not to do, and we panic. We let fear control us rather than letting faith control our lives. And so they ran to Egypt. Well, Jeremiah is telling right now in the prophecy, he says, hey, guys, that's not a good place to go because God's going to destroy Egypt. That, that Pharaoh, Pharaoh, Nico, and by the way, the Bible tells us it happens. History records that it did happen. At the battle of Carchemish, the Babylonians defeated the Egyptians and the Assyrians that had tried to help the Egyptians. The Babylonians defeated them just like God said. But, but it, was already, it was already spelled out in Scripture. This is what's going to happen. There was a warning. You know, it's interesting to me that God gave warnings in the Old Testament of things that would happen, and they happened. And there are other warnings that God gives us in the Bible, like in the book of Revelation. There are warnings of the wrath of God and the judgment of God to come, and yet some people don't care. They don't believe it. They don't read it. They're ignorant. They're blinded. I don't know what the problem is, but God has given us warnings. I'll tell you a warning right now, and I would hope on a Wednesday night, I hope that everyone here, I hope you know for sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior and you're going to heaven, but maybe not. Maybe there'd be some in this room or some watching tonight, but there's a warning. 
And the warning is that if you do not trust Jesus Christ as Savior, you will spend eternity in a place called hell. You say, well, I don't like that. Well, I don't, I don't care if you like it or not. That's what God said. And God has warned you. And God has warned me. And you don't have to go to hell. If you go to hell, you'll go to hell over the shed blood of Jesus Christ who died to pay the price for you because Jesus didn't want you to die and go to hell. Jesus didn't want anybody to go to hell. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the uh, people of Judah did not heed the warning. The people of Egypt did not heed the warning, even though God told them exactly what was going to happen. Number one, we see the warning. Number two, I want you to notice the weapons. It's interesting to me how the weapons are listed in verse three, the buckler, the shield. Verse number four, it talks about horses. And by the way, horses were very uh, advantageous to have in battle. They had horses. They had horsemen. The Bible says in verse number nine, come up ye horses and rage ye chariots. They had mighty men. They had uh, helmets, they had spears, they had armor, they had all of these weapons. But you know what's amazing? All those weapons didn't do them any good because you can't fight against God. Uh, when, you've got, when you've got swords and spears, God's not scared of swords and spears. And by the way, in 2021, God's not scared of tanks. He's not nervous because of bombers. He's not nervous because of nukes. And when World War III, the Battle of Armageddon takes place, God's going to come to the battle and he's not going to bring any weapons because he doesn't need any weapons. All he's going to do is he's going to speak the word and destroy the armies of the world that have gathered together. So we see the weapons. The Israelites, I'm sure, were intimidated. I'm sure the, the enemies got, got scared when they saw all the weapons. But I want to tell you this, those weapons are no match for the power of our God. I love what it says in 2 Corinthians 10. It says, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. The weapons of our warfare, they're not temporal. They're not physical. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. That's what we're talking about on Sunday mornings, the armor of God and the weapons that we have. I want to tell you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Uh, don't get intimidated. Don't get all nervous about everything going on in the world. And, oh no, what about this? And what about that? God is in heaven. He's on the throne. He's got it all under control. He's not worried. He's not nervous. His blood pressure is not going up. He's got it all under control. And I got better news. Now does he have it under control, but he's going to take care of you and me. And he's promised us that he will take care of us. If you know him as Savior, if you know Jesus Christ, you've been born again, you are a child of God. Boy, you think about how you take care of your children. How much more so is our Heavenly Father taking care of his children? Hallelujah for that. The weapons we see. Number three, we see the worry. It says in verse number five that these mighty men... They were beaten down. They were running away as fast as they could. And they were, uh, they were not even looking back. They said, we're out of here. We're not sticking around. But it says in verse 5, the end of the verse, it says, for fear was round about, saith the Lord. 
Now again, this is talking about the Egyptian army and as they were going to fight against Babylon and God had ordained that the Babylonians would win that battle. But here are our trained soldiers. Here are experienced warriors. And the Bible says there was fear all around them. They were terrified. Can I tell you, as Christians, I'm glad that we don't have to be fearful. I'm glad we don't have to be nervous. I'm glad we don't have to be distraught. Now, I think if, if I did not know the Lord, I think I'd be real nervous about now. In the United States of America, in 2021, I'll go a step further. I think not just with, uh, with the political stuff that's going on and not just with world affairs and what's going on with uh, Russia and what's going on with China and what, who knows what's going on with North Korea and all that. I don't even know what's going on in Washington, D.C. I'm not sure they know what's going on in Washington, D.C. And then I'll tell you this, throw COVID into that mix. None of us knows what's going on. But I want to tell you, in spite of all of those circumstances, God has told us, be not afraid. You don't have to have fear all around you. Now, the unsaved people that don't know the Lord, I don't know how people sleep at night, to be honest with you. I don't know how people make it from day to day. But can I tell you, when you know the Lord, you don't have to be afraid. God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Number three, the word is worry. You don't have to worry. You don't have to stress. You don't have to fret. There was fear all around them. But I'm thankful that when we have the power of God, we do not have to be fearful of what's going on around us. As long as we've got somebody living inside of us, we're going to be okay. Number four, we've talked about this a little bit, but I want you to notice the word wars. The word wars. The Bible tells us that they are going into battle. Egypt riseth up like a flood. Come ye horses and rage ye chariots, verse number nine. We see that there was a war going on and there were wars taking place in this region with Babylon and with Judah and before that with Assyria and now with Egypt and these battles were going on, these wars. But I want you to turn with me, hold your place in Jeremiah 46 and I want you to turn with me to Psalm 46. I was reading this Psalm this week. I was uh, visiting with somebody and I was reading this Psalm and, and I've read this psalm, I've preached this psalm, but it was amazing to me as I was reading this psalm, knowing what I was preaching tonight from Jeremiah 46, I thought, it's almost like these two go together. And I'm not trying to be weird because it's Psalm 46 and Jeremiah 46. I'm just saying that we have the word of God and it all goes together. It all fits because it's written by uh, the same person. The Holy Spirit wrote it all for us. But notice Psalm 46. And notice verse number nine. It says, he that is God maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. Now think about that kind of power and authority. God can make wars stop. He's the same God that can cause the storms to stop. He can say, peace be still, and the wind and the waves obey him. He's the God that controls the wind, and he's the God that controls the rain, and the God that controls the earthquakes, and the God that controls all of nature, and he can make the wars 
to cease unto the end of the earth. Notice verse 9, he breaketh the bow, and he cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Now, now think about this. Chronologically, at the time of Jeremiah's writing, the children of Israel, they already had the Psalms, okay? These Psalms had already been written. And I wonder if while Jeremiah was preaching what we have, Jeremiah 46, I wonder if he was getting some confidence thinking, yeah, I know what Psalm says. I know what David wrote. God can stop the wars. God can break the spears. God can, can, can burn the chariots. God is greater than all the weapons of our enemies. Verse number 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the who? The heathen. Now, God ought to be exalted amongst his people, right? I mean, that, that should be a no-brainer. But God's not just going to be exalted among his people. God said, I will be exalted among the heathen. Verse 10, I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. That name, the Lord of hosts, is the, the Lord of Sabaoth, which is the God of the armies. Now, we're not talking about the God of the armies, like he's the God of the armies of Babylon and the God of the armies of Egypt, although he's the God of those. But did you know that when the Bible describes the armies of God, it uses words like flaming swords and chariots of fire and multitudes great in number? It's an angelic army. Did you know that it only took one angel to wipe out an entire army of over 100,000 people in the Old Testament? Now, I want to say this. If God's got more, more angels in his army than can be counted, and just one of those angels can wipe out 100,000 plus enemy soldiers, I got good news for you. We're on the winning side. We are on the right team. We are on the victory side of all of this. Let me tell you, glory to God. God, the Lord of hosts, is with us. And the God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Hallelujah for that. The wars, number four. Number five, I want you to see the weak. The Bible says in verse number uh, 15, uh, turn over there if you would, Jeremiah 46, verse number 15. I know we're skipping ahead, but for sake of time, I want to get through uh, as much as we can. It says in verse 15, why are the valiant men swept away? They stood not because the Lord did drive them. Verse 16, he made many to fall. We see these were the ones who were supposed to be strong, and these were the mightiest of all, and yet compared to God, these men were weak. These men, these, these were wimps compared to God. I want to remind you that our strength is not in our flesh. Our strength is not in our ability, but our strength is in God. And God's power, ready for this, is actually made perfect or made complete in our weakness. You think about the story of David and Goliath. Did you know that God could have raised up Somebody, God could have had it all planned out. 
that there was going to be a giant in Israel that was bigger than Goliath of the Philistines. God could have done that. Without a doubt, he could have done that. But he didn't. God wanted to prove that our strength and our ability is not in the physical. It's not in what you can see. It's not in what you can do. But our power is in God. And if your power and if my power is in God, there's no giant too big, there's no enemy too strong that you cannot conquer. We see the weak. Notice with me number six. I want you to see in verse number 17, this is such a, it's a sobering verse, but I want you to see it. We'll probably have to stop with this. It says in verse 17, they did cry. They're talking about the people of Egypt. Um, it says in verse number 16 that he made many to fall. Yea, one fell upon another, and they said, Arise, let us go again to our own people and to the land of our nativity from the oppressing sword. They said, Let's get out of here. Whose idea was this? Let's go back home. Why are we even here fighting this battle? But then it says in verse 17, They did cry there. Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So this is the most powerful man in Egypt. This is the general, this is the king, this is the leader. And God says about Pharaoh, he says, Pharaoh is but a noise. God said, yeah, I don't know what all that's all about, but that doesn't even matter. And that was Pharaoh. Pharaoh, with all of his might and all of his power, God said, that's just like a little noise. You know, now a noise... A noise may bother you, a noise may irritate you, but a noise isn't going to hurt you. Remember, I've told you a story before, but I remember in Illinois, I remember at night, my brother and I, we had the basement, we had our room down there, and I remember several, several nights waking up in the middle of the night and the lights were on, and I'm thinking, what in the world? And it was my brother, Joel, and uh, he would get up because there was a cricket that somehow got in the basement and you know, crickets, they are loud. You cannot believe how much noise a little cricket can make. And uh, let me tell you, that cricket was but a noise, right? And when my brother Joel got through with that cricket, there wasn't anything left of him. Let me tell you, I promise you that. And you know, that's the way that God sees uh, the, 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 the most powerful rulers in the world. They're not a threat to God. They can't touch God. They're just a noise. But then notice this. God says about Pharaoh, he hath passed the time appointed. Now think about this. You know what God said about Pharaoh? He said, Pharaoh, your time is up. I gave you some time and you got to be the king and you got to be the ruler and you got to do what you want to do, but God says, time's up. It's over. Now, first of all, I want to tell you, there's coming a day when every king and every ruler that's ever lived is going to bow before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and their time's up. And our King will rule and reign forever and ever. And of His kingdom, there shall be no end. Hallelujah. And I want to bring this in for a little bit of an application for us here, not just for the unsaved, not just for world rulers. But I want to tell you this, there's coming a day when our time is going to be up. And we don't know when that's going to happen. But you know what that means? We better live every day for Christ. We better live every day and give it our best. We better live every day 
and do all that we can to please and honor the Lord while we have time. I think about, um, I don't, I, we didn't go, when I, we were, I was younger, we didn't really go to arcades, but occasionally we'd go to a place where they would have uh, the, uh, the skee-ball. You all know how to play, you know what skee-ball is, right? Raise your hand if you know what ski ball is. Okay, I didn't see very many heads nodding. Okay, it makes me feel better. We play ski ball, and that was always fun. But once you ran out of, you know, I think you got nine or ten balls to roll. Once they were done, they were done. But there was another game we used to like to play. It was the basketball game where they had a little basketball hoop. And that basketball hoop, they'd give you a certain amount of time, and you'd shoot the baskets. Uh, I don't know how he did it, but my dad, I mean, he could make every, and he was quick, but he could make every one and not miss, you know, and he'd always beat us. But, but you'd put your quarter in, and the balls would keep coming, and sometimes they would keep coming, even after the time was up. But they didn't count. It, it, it was done. I mean, you could, sometimes they'd keep coming forever. Sometimes the, 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 the gate would malfunction, and you could just shoot all day. But once the time was up, it didn't count. It, it, the game was over. I want to tell you, I don't want to waste a moment that God has given because when God says that our time is up, there's not going to be any more people we're going to be able to witness to. There's not going to be any more lessons to teach, sermons to preach, songs to sing. There's not going to be any more prayers to pray. There's not going to be anything else we can do for eternity. Once our time is up down here. Now, I'm glad we'll be with the Lord forever and ever. But I don't want to waste the time that God has given me. And I hope we won't waste the time. I hope we will use every moment for God's glory. The book of Ephesians, this was our theme a few years ago, but the Bible says, redeeming the time. Make every moment count. Make every opportunity count for Jesus. For Pharaoh, his time was up, but I'm glad our time's not up. I'm glad we can still serve God. I'm glad we can still do something for Jesus Christ. I'm glad that we can still serve God at Victory Baptist Church, and we still have some time. I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know when that buzzer is going to sound, but I know this. I want to make every opportunity count for Christ. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.